Welcome to Behind the Backline, the podcast where we chat with merchants, brands, and industry professionals in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space about their products, services, industry trends, stories, and more. Join us now as we dig into the stories behind our favorite backline gear. Welcome to episode 12 of Behind the Backline. I'm Matt Jacoby of Octave Media, and today I'm speaking with Brian Wampler of Wampler Pedals. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. Thanks for having me. So yeah, um, you are the first episode, a little, little, little backstory, the first episode that I did not meet at NAM this year, um, which is kind of cool. I actually uh, heard about Wampler Pedals um, by accident in... Um, a book by someone everybody here may or may not know, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, the latest, his latest book called Crushing It. And um, uh, shortly after, LinkedIn um, connected or like recommended you to me by accident. Um, it was not related by any means. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, so I kind of wanted to let um, everyone know uh, about who you are and what Wampler Pedals does. Sure. So I am a guitar player. In my 40s, means that uh, I started when I was like seven, and um, I, like all guitar players do, we all are unhappy with our sound, right? So I'm, I'm growing up, I'm trying to sound like Eddie Van Halen or whoever, and, and <laughs> I'm just not getting that sound. And uh, so I'm buying pedals, I'm begging my parents to buy me a, a, a guitar for my birthday, a new guitar for my birthday. I'm, I'm working a job in the summer trying to save up to buy a new amplifier. Um, did that, you know, all through these years, and. Um, through uh, I worked a series of, of different jobs, um, in, mostly in the construction industry, while I really just wanted to play guitar. <laughs> I thought I actually I actually thought I was going to be a musician. I was I was going to Nashville and uh, and Tennessee and, and trying to like play with bands and going to quote unquote make it big. And um, I in the meantime I learned taught myself how to uh, uh, modify and build guitar pedals and so I would bring stuff with me to the gigs and people would try them out there and like oh wow that's cool can you make me one and um, that through a means of, of some other stuff I'm sure we'll get into in, here in a minute that turned into a business <laughs> the more people kept asking me um, the more I was able to kind of quit my construction jobs and really focus on building guitar pedals and awesome. Yeah, I I never like had this inspiration where like, hey, I'm gonna go build drums. But <laughs> but yeah, that I mean to to be that ambitious, like, hey, you know, this is really cool. That's a uh, that's that's super noble. <laughs> so have well, you- it's, yeah, I mean it's I mean on the and I learned really through it. I learned about it on the internet. So you know, 2000, 2001 or whatever. I found out that there were groups of these DIYers, the do-it-yourselfers, that would uh, not only modify pedals, modify existing pedals like Boss or Ibanez or whatever, but they would also make their own. And um, so I kind of got in that community, learned everything I could about electronics, read a bunch of books and um, experimented a lot. And, um, you know, things grew a little at a time. I wrote a few, self-published a few books about um, how to build pedals, how to modify pedals. And I really kind of, I really aimed it towards the guitar player because at that time, a lot of, well, in general still, a lot of books on electronics are pretty heady. They're, pre- they're full of math, um, a lot of the physics behind how stuff works. And as a guitar player, you, you just want to know, how do I give this tube screamer more bass? You know, what, tell me what to put in it to give it more bass or give it more gain or give it, make it sound different or better in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wrote these series of books kind of for that guitar player. So he, he doesn't need to know how to, how to do the mathematical formula to get 
more bass. He just knows, oh, I just replaced this capacitor with this capacitor and I have more bass. That's cool. And um, so I kind of had more of an awareness. Um, and this is 2003, four, five, and that um, I created more of an awareness around the whole guitar player industry. Uh, I mean, not the whole industry, but mo- you know, most of the guitar players are online talking about sound. And um, really, really did it from a point of trying to help them. I mean, yes, I was selling a book, but I also was doing a heck of a lot of posting on forums, which were huge at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is way before Facebook, obviously. Yep. <laughs> and, um, you know, just really talking to people, answering a ton of emails and just trying to help people, trying to build my awareness among guitar players. And um, that, that really helped build a dedicated customer base for, for today. And not that that's a tactic or a ploy. I mean, it came from a good place. I I literally want to help people, you know. So even I mean, even still today, uh, I'll communicate with people back and forth when they ask me how, you know, what should I do on this certain pedal? And, and even though it's not your brand, what should I do here to get this sort of sound? I, I I'll still communicate back and forth with them as long as I have time, um, just for the pure sake of helping them. But the the side benefit is it it really creates devoted customers. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it correct that way. I mean, the the fact that you've been doing it that long and now it's in, it's a fad, it's a, it's trendy to be helpful over salesy. Um, you know, the people who have been doing that long t- long term are benefiting the most because you know people are now just catching up to that being oh it's it's the hot new thing. However, it, if you've been doing it forever, then it just comes naturally and you were ahead of the curve. So. Right, right. I mean, even it's it's um in some industries it's way more accepted. So of course, if you're if you're selling internet internet products or I'm sorry, internet marketing products, then people know how that works, right? But if you're a, a if you own a painting business or you're a dentist or something like that, the the tendency is that they they use Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Um, they're using it to say, hey, here's my product or service, buy it. Yeah. Please contact me and buy it now. And you got you got to romance a person. You know you can't you can't um, you can't just jump into a relationship on that first date and ask him to marry you. Mm-hmm. Generally, sometimes you can, I guess, speaking, but <laughs> most of the time you get you got to romance a gal. Yeah, sometimes that works. Most of the time it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> At least not. It works in Vegas. <laughs> but outside of there, not not really anywhere. So if your target market is in Vegas, feel yeah. free to pitch all you want. We will clean your teeth tomorrow <laughs> if you want. Otherwise, don't try it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so have you always dreamed of owning your own business, or was this all by accident? No, I I was the guy that uh, I was the guy in high school. I wasn't really like much of a troublemaker, but I just sucked at high school, um, <laughs> and, and kind of by choice. I just refused to do anything. Um, that wasn't interesting. So you, like in my biology class, I think I got like 2% my senior year. Mm. Uh, that was that like 2% of a positive grade. So that was a way low F. I just, I'd sit in class and read guitar magazine. And um, <laughs> and it's funny, I've actually bumped into that team before. And I'm like, I told you I didn't need this class. <laughs> He's, uh, uh, that's a true story. So, you know, in class, he, he, was, he hated me because I wouldn't do anything. And I mean, I didn't cause any problems. I was just like, no, no, I didn't turn in my homework. Why not? Didn't want. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, and I told him, I said, I'm never going to use ever. I have no interest in this. I'm never going to use. It. And if I do, read a book about it. But for now, I'm going to read this guitar magazine about oh, uh, Eddie Van Halen <laughs> or Yngwie Malmsteen. Um, so 
you know, I got out of high school, um, and even during high school, a little bit, like I would mow lawn, I, I would knock on businesses' doors and say, "Hey, I'd kind of sweep your parking lot for fifty bucks or whatever, uh, or, or can I pull weeds?" You know, stuff like that. I would, I, I was always kind of more entrepreneurial based. Uh, when I did have jobs, I they generally uh, didn't like me as an employee. I'm a pretty bad employee because I. I just like to do things my own way and I'm kind of stubborn. I'm like, no, that's going to waste a lot of time. And I think my time would be better suited if I do it a different way. So, but you know, if you're working at Burger King or something like that, they really don't want you to go outside of their methods of making a burger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I mean, here's an example. So I worked at Pizza Hut. Um, I'm sure most people are probably familiar with pizza at the big pizza chain. Mm-hmm. And they had like a spit, you know, you put this amount of pepperoni on it, this amount of cheese, like all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, that's not how you make a good pizza. Let me show you how to make a good pizza. <laughs> and so I'd load it. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm making an awesome pizza. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> they're like, no, you can't do that with profits. You're driving our profits down, you know? And I would say, if you make a better pizza, they'll come back. You could always raise your. <laughs> yeah. You you had you were way ahead of the curve on that. I mean, quality over quantity, value over over one time yeah, sales. But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, if you're a chain, that it, there's a procedure for everything. That's the way our uh, modern systemized education teaches. The side round, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, I don't want to make too many people mad, but uh, I just that's not the world we live in anymore. So you know, we sell two hundred dollar pedal, and yes, you can buy thirty dollars, but you get what you pay for. Yeah, it's like you know, you can buy a you can buy a hundred, but it's not going to stand up next eighty five cents around a double bass drum and you know 14 toms and you know, fireworks whenever you hit the hi-hat or don't know much about drum stuff obviously <laughs> it's all right i understand <laughs> i don't know much about guitar stuff so it works out well <laughs> well cool so like out of the uh all the all the um you know self-teaching and all of the you know the, as far as you've come what what would you say is your biggest accomplishment in terms of like best pedal or um, just, you know, best electronics project that has become a product. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, we have, um, several different popular products. It, it always changes because guitar players find they're, they're always looking for a better sound, a different sound, a, a newer sound, or they may just get bored and to say, decide, Hey, I want to swing by the guitar center and grab a new pedal. Cause I just got paid and, uh, sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, like right now we have a pedal called the Tumnus, which is based off of, um, uh, a very limited pedal that sells for like three or four thousand dollars. So we had a lot of customers that would that had just asked us, like, "Hey, can you make a, a cheaper, more accessible version of this pedal?" Um, and I don't like to do a lot of stuff like that. In this case, it was just a huge gap in the market. So, uh, so we did that. It's been one of our most successful pedals so far. Um, we have another pedal that's called the Ego Compressor. Uh, and it's just a really good compressor that's really, it, a lot of guys in the, the country music, Brad Pate, Keith Urban, and just guys in the, in the popular main street world, uh, they use that compressor like crazy. They love it. And uh, so we're real popular like in, in that area with that particular pedal. But then there's other pedals, like we have a high gain distortion called the Dracaris. And um, that's that would be more popular like in the LA scene, you know, because it's two totally different types of players. So, um, it, and that fluctuates, you know, like, Next year, this time, it will probably be totally different pedals. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, guitar players change um, pedals. Like you know, some people change underwear. It would, I would just hope anyway. Well, most <laughs> you know, from week exactly. to week or day to day. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, we hope they're changing underwear. Exactly. Well, it's really cool that you. Um, 
you know, I don't know if you want to call it finding validation and, and knowing that you have people all the way from the national circuit all the way down to local bands who are, you know, using your product and finding value in the sounds. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's um, when when the first few famous people started using it, I was pretty starstruck. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know, you know I mean, it, it's pretty surreal. Like the guys that you're growing up listening are now calling you asking for advice, <laughs> you know, so that's that was really cool. Um, you, you do, I will say you do get used to it. You get, you get used to being around the quote unquote famous. Um, they generally fall into two really down to earth, just like your, just like your next door neighbor. They just happen to have a lot more than you Yeah. or the guys that, or gals let it go to their head and they believe they are way better than you could ever possibly. And I've, I've ran into both types, but I think honestly the, and I, you know, I, I still, I like dealing with, with high profile artists to me, to me, honestly, what's, what's the coolest is whenever it's, um, you know, a guy that's spent three months of, of hard work over time to buy a, a pedal that he wanted and he bought yours. You know, he sacrificed a lot just to get that pedal. That to me, that's, that's way cooler than, um, you know, insert your favorite artist name here who bought, who just went on uh, sweetwater.com or guitarcenter.com or wherever and bought 85 pedals at a hotel on a, when it, while they're staying in a hotel room because they're bored. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I like them both, but for different reasons. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it kind of keeps it fresh, I would imagine, not having to, you know, oh, I got stuck with the com- the comfortable customers. I don't get any challenges or conflicting customers who like to throw me a wrench occasionally or anything like that. <laughs> well, we do have that occasionally, but generally not 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 always. I mean, sometimes um, we get a lot of, cu- not a lot, but we do get some customer questions. They're like, my pedal don't work. My pedal don't work. So uh, start start from the very beginning. I'm like, all right, so let's start here. You know, is, is your guitar plugged into the right side? Yes. Okay. Is your guitar amp on? Oh, crap. I didn't even think about that. How, <laughs> did, I, how did I do? You're like, okay, that's all right. It's all right. It happens to us all. <laughs> as I say, I have a computer background, and typically the first question tech support asks is, is it turned on? So. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's true. I mean, just uh, it's the easiest thing. It, you know, it's the easiest thing. Dead battery. Like, it might, it's just, it keeps... It keeps sounding worse and worse over. That's it's time to change the battery. Ah, I was sitting here thinking there was something wrong with the pedal. Um, but it's, you know, it happens. I, I, I'm sure I do that some with, with uh, I'm sure I do that to some companies. I'll call them like, dude, dude, change the batteries in your remote. That's why you're Tion. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> now, as, as a drummer, um, you know, you always see the guitar player setting up and everything and, before I realized there was a battery in them, I just had assumed that pedals work because they're in the line of signal. So I just was like, oh, it's just, you know, plug it into the amp and everything is kind of like connected through like that, that source of power where it's just like, oh, there's not actually a power source, but if it's part of the circuit, it just works. So, you know, there, there's a time even if I don't play the instrument, you, you, I would have even not considered a battery early on in the, in the day. So. Well, there, there are some that work that way, okay. but, and I don't, I don't want to get too techno nerdy. Um, that's because it's running off what they call phantom power and there's a cable connected from that to like a PA. Okay. And that will provide power for that pedal. Uh, but, but generally guitar players for the most part aren't connecting that. Same. 
uh, you tend to find that like in bass pedals or acoustic guitar pedals. Gotcha. And that is where I, I guess I was right and wrong, and but I just didn't know <laughs> it. So <laughs> I don't see a lot of drum pedals be powered by anything, of course, except my feet. So <laughs> that's true. And I've I've tried to think of ways I could sell pedals to drummers. Oh yeah, that that would be. I think your your electronic drum market might have some room for it, but I don't, I don't know if acoustics Possibly. are. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> So at what point um, in your your life did you kind of have that aha passion moment where it's like, I can actually marry my entrepreneurial spirit with my passion for guitars? Um, Well, I was working construction. I um, I started out, well, I didn't start out, but at the time I was working for guys that would, they would buy these old houses, would contract me to just basically go inside. And the whole time I did that, I was basically hating life, wishing I was home at home playing guitar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when I, when I did go home, I would just spend all of my extra time and a good portion amount of the time I should be sleeping, uh, reading up on guitar pedals and how to modify them and how the electronics work and all, all that kind of nerdy stuff. And, it was mo- and at that time, it was kind of a selfish thing. I was, I was trying to take the pedals that I had and make, that I had at the time and uh, make them sound better or different or, or what have you. And um, as I figured it out, like I was, like I was saying, I, I, I would go play with people in other bands and they would like my sound or, or they would say, wow, that's a king pedal. And um, they would they would buy one off me. I'd make one for them, and then they'd tell their friends. And uh, and I was also involved, like I was saying, in uh, in uh, online forums where we'd all talk about guitar gear. And so I'd answer a lot of questions that people had, and they'd inquire about what um, you know I was doing with my modified pedals, and that would build more customers as well because they would ask if I'd modify theirs or build them something. Uh, music stores then started getting a hold of me, asking if I would uh, sell them pedals. So I created a line. And I started selling to more retailer-based uh, uh, businesses. So, you know, the mom, mom and pop store down the road that sells guitar strings, guitars. I'd reach out to those guys and see if I could put my pedals in their store. And um, it just started growing uh, very organically. I was doing, I, I was doing a lot of email marketing. Um, I, in the day when MySpace was a, such a thing, oh, yeah. I, was, I was doing a lot of stuff on MySpace. Uh, and and when I say a lot of stuff, I, it's not ads. I was just communicating with a lot of people. So I I would just jump into conversations and just talk to people about problems they were having, or uh, just kind of being a part of the community and pr- trying to provide as much value to them as I could. And um, really, more than anything, that's what has helped us grow. Is just being that company that is not focused on trying to sell, sell, sell. sell. Instead, we're just trying to focus on relation one at a time. And you got it. You guys are doing it right. I mean, as a content marketer myself, it's all about the relationship. It's what does the customer need, want, benefit, everything that you can to help them before you try to even attempt to sell them something. It's okay. just, yeah, that. That's perfect. So I'm glad I'm glad it's working out for you. You guys are like a case study for the content marketing industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of odd. I mean, it was cool, but I think it was odd for uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I got the chance to meet him, and was talking to I was at, talking to him about how I read the book Crush It, and it really kind of changed a lot of the things we were doing. Uh, where I, I was trying to do everything myself, mm-hmm. and. Um, after reading that book, I'm like, you know what? I really need to focus on the things that I'm good at and just outsource everything that I suck at. So I was, yeah, at that time, I was, I had, um, I had some employees. We we're, you know, building them in my garage or 
And I'm like, okay, this, this is not my, my strength is not at managing a bunch of people building guitar pedals. So I need to find a company that's really good with that locally here and let them build the guitar pedals. Let me focus on what I'm good at, which com- customer communication and, um, and, uh, uh, making, you know, invent, I hate to say inventing, cause it's not really, but coming up with new electronic ideas uh, for the market. Cool. So, so you stopped actually doing some of the physical electronical work in in favor of the 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 uh, relationship building. Well, I, I de- so I design a lot of them. Oh, okay. Um, which which means that you know there's um it's hard to describe over a mic of course, but there's this device called a breadboard that you can you can kind of arrange electronic circuits. You can plug a guitar through it. And you rather instead of soldering, it's kind of um you can pull out a part, put a new part in really quickly and easily to get different sounds uh, versus having to build something and solder it and drill holes and, and mount it and all that stuff. So I, I, I create the actual circuit first. Uh, then I take the, uh, the schematic, which is kind of like a house blueprint and it's completely specked out. So it says you have to use these type of nails. You have to use, you know, this type of board from this specific place this year of that, you know, this year of this lot of that bulk. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, uh, so uh, I kind of it kind of feels like a development website or like a testing ground that you that's kind of temporary before you actually create the final product. Right. So okay. it's just you're, so you're basically so we're just building a prototype, and then we tell the company that that builds it that that's here local. Um, we just tell them, okay, here's exactly how we want it built. Here's where everything comes from. Uh, you know, here here's exactly how it's put together. Here's exactly what the graphics look like. We'd specify every little tiny bit of it. Um, and then, you know, they have 50 people that, that make electronic stuff. So they build it for us and they ship it out for us. That does sound a, a heck of a lot less stressful and gives you the, the that creative freedom to still tinker and, and figure out what you're coming up with next and then let the the quote unquote mass production happened elsewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I've, I figured out during that course, um, I'm really bad at managing a large group. People. That's just not my, that's not my strong suit at all. Got it. <laughs> I'm way more of a creative, um, way, you know, the, the customer communication part is that's the part I enjoy. And I mean, we, we call it marketing. I kind of just call it communicating, you yeah. know, cause that's really what you're doing. You're communicating, a message to your potential customer or your customer that um, really kind of hits them in the chest that resonates with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so rather than, you know, we talked about the commercial thing, rather than trying to sell them something and hope that they press the buy button, uh, you're engaging them almost as a friend. Yeah. Because you've talked to them so much, whether it's through all the YouTube videos we do or all the podcasts we do or, you know, all the, all the tweeting all the Instagramming, like all that. You're, you've talked to them so much that you really kind of have this relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they know you like they know their neighbor almost because you're just always talking. Uh, whether it's, you know, I say talking in air quotes because you don't really talk on it. <laughs> no, we just, <laughs> we just go back to, I, I think Instagram <laughs> is actually taking us full circle all the way back from caveman drawings right back to visual <laughs> communication. So it's, we're just, we'll just full circle. <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. <laughs> well, cool. So um, one quick last question. How long does it typically take a, one of your pedals to go from concept to final product? 
Oh, you know, it really, it really differs on the, on the product. Uh, there's been some where I sat down, created something that I thought was for an hour. Like, yes, this is awesome. And then there's other ones that I've worked on for a couple of years. And I'm like, it's just not it. It's just not it. No. I'll set it aside for a week and revisit it with a fresh mind, a fresh set of ears and work on it a little bit more. And I'm like, mm, closer, but still not there. So there's been some that we've worked on for several years. There's been some that took me less than to come up with. Um, and then, like I said, everything outside of that, once I have the design done and all the specifics, then that that's really up to the company to apply soldering iron to circuit and uh, make it happen. Cool. Well, that is nice. I mean, to, to know that there's no like, oh, every four months we come up with a new product. It's it's all about you guys' level of creativity, where you're, what what's creating those brain blocks versus you know the ones that come instantly. It's that creative process is just all over the board. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we do try to come out with something about once every quarter. Okay, because um, because you still got to stay relevant. Yeah, you know, if you if you don't put out new products, then. Uh, honestly, people kind of forget about you a little bit. You kind of not that they really truly forget; they just stop. You you stop being in their minds of something they can buy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so so we do constantly put out new stuff, but since you know eighty five percent of my time is sent is spent uh, creating new stuff, that's not a problem. So like right now, I'm sitting on thirty or forty different designs that um, you know we could we'll come out with eventually, maybe. But it's just stuff that I've created, and um, it, it's there waiting for whenever the time's right to release. That's cool, um, and it almost feels a little less um, stressful, at least to me, that you're only you know shooting for four new products a year, where it's you know you kind of have a timeline. It's not like you're rushing to get something out every month or every week. Right. You kind of have a, a little bit of a you know, it takes time or you have time to built in to release one and have a little bit of a marketing push or do, you know, whatever your communication building. And you kind of got that cycle cycle built out. Right. Well, there's there's um, there's a couple a couple different models in our pedal. industry. So you do have the guys that sell mostly direct to consumer. And so for those guys, they may actually come out with something with something new every week, but it'll be more like limited numbers. So they'll come out with product A, but we have, we're only building 50. Of them. And then the next week is like product B, but we're only building 25 of these. And so that can be pretty profitable. Uh, but since we mainly sell to retailers, and we do sell direct to consumer a little bit as well, but for the most part, we're selling to, to um, just a lot of retailers all over the world. So with them, it's actually a problem when you come out with too much to mm. because, because it's, you know, they have their own marketing engine as well. So whenever you, whenever they get a new product from you, they spend um, a good amount of time, you know, making their own videos, doing their own content marketing, all that sort of thing. Very true. And so, so if you if you send them a new product this week and another new one next week, it doesn't really give them enough time to get it in the system and get it in the hands and the minds of their. Con- uh, so it, that kind of creates a problem in a model like. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I guess it kind of depends on what what your distribution chain is used to or expecting of you and if you're a fast producer or uh you know more of a creative creative spaced out producer so right and there's i mean there's room for both really i mean there's a lot of people that build pedals now um more and more all the time and you know they'll they'll build a couple and sell them on ebay or reverb.com or like that are you familiar with reverb by chance i am yep Okay, yeah. So you know they'll they'll build a handful of um, you know something that they just created in, in their garage or whatever, and sell them on eBay. And and you can you can make a good living doing that as well. I know, I know a lot of people that do. I think for us, 
we started out doing that and it just changed. I just noticed that, um, I'm trying to think of exactly why I did it. There's, I guess the best reason, even though it's not a real good reason is in my gut, it just felt like it was the right thing for us to do. Hmm. Um, I wanted to reach as many people as possible and that seemed like the way to do it. No, that makes sense. I, I, you know, they always say, follow your gut or follow your passion and whatever feels right, you know, usually ends up being the right thing. Yeah, it's allowed me to stay at home and play guitar all day. <laughs> <laughs> In the end, there was no way to convince that biology teacher that you were going to use it. <laughs> no, no, but he uh, he retired and he he does handyman work now. So you know, and we have an office building, and so one time he he came over to uh, to do some handyman work, and um, his name is his name is Mister Guy. I said, Mister Guy, I told you I didn't need that biology class, <laughs> and he kind of laughed. He said, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> now, earlier i'd like you know you came on you, you come up with a good idea there in terms of uh, uh education going down the road of being customizable because you know if you're i mean then again you have to know what you want to do in life by the time you're like in seventh grade but that may, may or not be realistic but you know it's, i don't want that biology class because i'm not going to be a biologist so what's the point <laughs> we, you know and I, and I hope i don't go too far off topic for that. I, I firmly believe that the education at least here is going to radically oh i would agree like we're still we're still kind of teaching kids for the industrial revolution when we really need to teach information mm-hmm. you know so like like we just talked about it's completely possible for you to make a small product in your garage sell it on a handful of websites direct to consumer and make a good living probably better than you're going to make in some sitting in some cubicle somewhere trying to sell insurance exactly uh you know and um we we don't we don't really take kids, figure out, oh, you're really great at drawing. So we need to focus, we need to put you in more things that help support your creativeness rather than put you in something that makes you want to poke your eyes out because you're bored. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, hard, it's hard to teach people how to be a can- mechanic by starting out with a book that teaches all the different types of wrenches, what all they can be used for, all the different types of screwdrivers, what all they can be used for, when they were invented, what kind of metals they're made out of. Instead... It's way better to say, here's how we fix a lawnmower. Oh, wait, we're going to need a screwdriver. By the way, here's a screwdriver if you've never seen. This goes in this type of screw, so we, we're going to need to take the screw off. So let's use this screwdriver and take this. Uh, we don't teach that way. But if yeah. we did, we, we, we would have kids that were way more into I, I agree. So, it's very cookie cutter and we don't, uh, yeah, it's like try to f- figure out what they're good at. And, and I even do that with my kids. I'm like, what are you, what are you steering towards? You're only six, but what are you steering towards? So, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah, I, I can see where that's, that's going to shift and it makes a lot of sense. So, cause I, I was an average student myself, but I never really was a fan of being an employee either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. And I mean, I think, uh, even if you don't really know how to phrase it as a young, uh, I think you kind of know inside yourself, like, I hate the feeling of being constricted with someone looking over my shoulder, mm-hmm. you know? And if, if we can get kids to recognize that, and if we can start teaching them how to go in a direction that they're not going to have that, then that's, I think that's going to be way more effective than us telling everyone has to get in a line. Everyone has to go here, learn, read this book, and learn all this stuff all at the same time and all at the same time. I agree. And with all the entrepreneurial people out there these days and, and the, uh, the, just the, the shift already in mindset and the way that you know, people are, are going, I, I, I think that this is actually a, a still on topic because of, of your story. Uh, the fact that you, know, you can do anything. 
that you're passionate about, regardless of how well or how bad you did in school. <laughs> it, it's all it's all in you already. You just have to figure out what it is. Yeah, I really firmly believe that. I mean, you, you know, I remember my parents telling me, um, you know, when I was younger playing video games, you'll never be able to make a living out of that. Really? Let's look at the world now. How big is the video game market now? <laughs> weird, you know? weird and crazy is, is it's kind of it's creepy how you how you, that's changed. But <laughs> <laughs> and my and my second favorite part is you you can't use a calculator. You're not going to have a calculator at your disposal all the time. Really? Let's see how that's worked for us. <laughs> now it's in my pocket every day. <laughs> uh, exactly. So you know, and and not to beat a dead subject, but my employees. If I had them, if, if they insisted on handwriting out big math problems to solve, uh, you know, an engineering problem, I'd probably fire them because it's wasting my time. Yeah. You know, like use a calculator. <laughs> Don't write this out. <laughs> and with all the, the shift and stuff in the education system going to STEM, um, you know, that that's right up your alley. You know, everyone's like, well, the kids need to focus more on science, tech, you know, um, math and engineering and that's that's the way things are going. Uh, hopefully that in itself is shifting us more towards information versus industrial age. Right. I think um, – t- so to me, I, I look at STEM and I think, you know what, we need we need a STEAM model. We, we need to build arts there. There you go. And not necessarily – that doesn't mean like painting a painting. That means that if you're artistic, you know, like a creative, then you can, you can start a YouTube video mm-hmm. and you can make money off that YouTube – and you could build a customer base off that YouTube, and you can expand just simply by providing your audience what I just think. You, provide more than what they expect of you. I think you're onto something. I think we need to start a, a Steam website project and and push that that acronym now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. Now, this has been fun. Um, I just wanted to quick uh, have you uh, share what your website is so um, sure. everyone can find out more about your pedals. Sure. Uh, our website is wamplerpedals.com. If you happen to do the social media stuffs, then uh, just type in you'll find Twitter, whatever. Cool. Hello. And we'll, we'll share some of those links in the show notes too so people can easily sure. find it. So. Perfect. Well, yeah, I appreciate you joining me today. This has been great. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for listening to Behind the Backline today, brought to you by Octave Media, an inbound marketing agency focused on helping music merchants develop an automated solution to increase website sales. You can find Octave Media at www.octave.media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or Google Play Music to learn more about great products and companies in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space. And be sure to leave a review to let us know what you thought of today's episode. We encourage you to share us with your friends and colleagues via social media, and we'll see you next time. Take care. 